Before we get to the episode, there are some changes happening and I want to make sure that all my stepmoms are in the loop, especially stepmoms who have thought about joining the membership and haven't quite got there yet, or those who have joined in the past, then taken a break with the intention of coming back in. Here's the deal. The membership is changing in 2022. We are amping things up with more exclusive content, more coaching and more support. The first big change is that I'm going to be doing monthly coaching sessions on hot step family stressors. So how to improve your relationship with your stepkids, how to set boundaries and stick to them, how to co-parent with a high conflict ex, how to be proactive, not reactive with your step family stressors, how to have hard conversations with your partner. I'm going to walk you through it all. We are also going to be doing more free coaching calls, more exclusive tell-all podcast episodes and next level interviews with experts. We still have a private forum where you can connect with me and other stepmoms from around the world. This is the place where you can go to ask me anything. But because I want to connect with you guys more one-on-one, I am starting office hours. So if something is going on and you want to chat or ask me something face-to-face, hop on my office hours and I will help you come up with a plan. If you want to improve your step family life in 2022, this is the resource for you content, conversation, and coaching that I do not share anywhere else. But here's the deal. Right now, the membership is $11.99 a month, $7.99 if you do six months at a time. But with the up level in coaching and support and content, the price is more than doubling. However, if you join before the end of the year, you can lock in at the price it is now and it will never go up. Which is why I said, if you've been on the fence, now is the time to join. So www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership to join and I'll see you in there. Remember what I always say, sitting around bitching about how hard being a stepmom is won't make being a stepmom any easier. If you want change in your life, you need to change something in your life. And I'm here to show you how to improve relationships, feel more confident and in control of your step family life. Let's make 2022 the year that everything changed. Hey there, it's Jamie Scrimger here, and you're listening to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm a wife, a mom, a stepmom, a coach, a conversation opener, and a BS caller. Eight years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Look, don't get me wrong. I was madly in love. The kids were great. But being a stepmom is, well, it's just complicated. If you know, you know. As a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I went to the internet for support. But I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support I was looking for. Raw, real, solution-focused conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard. But it's entirely possible to thrive amongst the tough stuff. Each week, I will bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We're bringing you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. We are switching things up this week and doing a little preview of an interview available in the membership, the exclusive Stepmom community. So if you're like, what are you even talking about? Hang tight. So each month in the community, I bring in an expert and we have a next level interview about whatever their expertise is and how it can help people in the community. So we've had an estate planner who specializes in blended families and wills, which by the way, is way more complicated than first family estate planning, 
we had some pretty heated and heavy conversations when we did our will, definitely some different points of view. I have also had lawyers come in to create content and chat about preparing for court, dealing with parental alienation, how to save money on legal bills. We've had sex experts come in and talk about how to keep the sex alive when you're under major stress, setting boundaries, communicating with a high conflict ex, dealing with anxiety as a stepmom. We've got all the professionals in there. So there's so many next level unfiltered interviews in the membership. And today I'm going to share one of them with you. And this one is with Allison Schaefer, who is one of Canada's leading parenting experts. She promotes a firm but friendly democratic parenting style and offers practical solutions backed by extensive evidence-based research. And she's changed the game in our family. So Allison is a family counselor. She is an author, an internationally acclaimed expert who empowers families by sharing her principles, rules, and tools for raising cooperative and resilient kids. I'm going to say that again, cooperative and resilient kids. That is the goal. Now, in this interview, we dive into the family meeting, how to get into the practice of having a family meeting, how it can promote more cooperation with the kids, how to start doing this if it's something that you haven't always done or if you've had a family meeting and like it did not go well at all. I think we've all had those. So Allison just shares how and why a really successful family meeting can be such a great reset for your family. And I decided to share this specific episode right now because I feel like this is a really great time for families to do an audit on what's working, what's not, and just go into the new year with some new tools and strategies. So again, this is just one of the interviews that you can find behind the closed doors in the community. If you're struggling, looking for a safe place to bounce ideas around or get support, I hang out in the forum of the community throughout the week, and I am here to help you out. I also just started offering office hours for members of the community. So if you do want to just chat face-to-face, you can pop onto a Zoom room or pop into a Zoom room during my next scheduled office hours, and we can chat face-to-face. So check out the membership at www.jamiescrimshaw.com forward slash membership. And if you're like, yeah, you know what? No, not for me. Just still really like this interview. Let's dive in. A couple weeks back, I was having a day. Life, business, family, it was one thing after another. It was actually one of those days where you're like, is this real life? Like what else could go wrong? Four o'clock could not come soon enough. When I wrapped up work, I noticed there was a package on my doorstep. It was a bamboo jogger set from Cozy Earth. I immediately went upstairs and changed into it and it literally changed how I was feeling. It is made from the softest fabric ever. In fact, I now need this sweatsuit in more colors because I have been wearing it every evening since. At the end of a long day, I love getting all cozy and comfortable, throwing my hair up in a top knot and just chilling with the fam. This sweatsuit is my new uniform for doing just that. Now here is the deal on Cozy Earth. Their bamboo joggers and crew are made with the softest, temperature regulated fabric. They're certified free of harmful chemicals. They won't pill and they wash up great. They also have other products like t-shirts and PJs and sheets. Cozy Earth is an amazing way to up-level your cozy nights and your sleep. And of course, I have a discount code for you. So JamieS45 gives you 45% off your order, which is the highest code they will be offering this holiday season. I cannot recommend these enough. So I have the black in medium and the light gray are in my cart. 
www.cozyearth.com and use the code JamieS45 for 45% off your order. Enjoy. This episode is sponsored by Stepmom Magazine. Guys, Stepmom Magazine is probably one of the only Stepmom resources that I check out on a regular basis. It is an online magazine with articles from all the top step parenting experts on all things Stepmom life. If you've been through it, Stepmom Magazine has covered it. The articles inside Stepmom Magazine are written by a hand-selected team of experts. Contributors are licensed therapists and published authors and step family professionals who just get it. Stepmom Magazine also has eBooks that you can download if you're struggling with a particular issue, such as disengaging or dealing with the ex or having an R's baby and more. It is a super cost-effective way to get support and most importantly, reassurance that you're not alone. It is such a great feeling when you get the monthly email letting you know that the monthly edition is ready. The articles are always so timely. To subscribe, head to www.stepmamagazine.com and use the code JAMIE20 to save 20%. Again, that's www.stepmamagazine.com and use the code JAMIE20 for 20% off. Allison, welcome back to the community. It's like you're a regular around here these days. <laughs> Please make me a regular. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I love sharing this information. I'm trying to get it out yeah. to the public and you're like a big amplifier. So thank you. Yeah. So today, what I really want to do is dive into the family meeting piece, because whenever we're talking, you mention that it's really effective to have a family meeting. And I know for a lot of stepmoms and just a lot of moms, a lot of families, the whole family meeting thing in theory seems amazing, but like, how do you start? How do you get there? How do you explain to your family that you're going to have a meeting? And then the second part to that is what are the bones to an effective family meeting? Because I do feel like sometimes parents look at family meetings as a time to sit down and just tell the kids all the things they're doing wrong and all the things that they need to do. And it's just like the parents chirping at the kids and not actually coming together in a collaborative way. Thank you. Because to your point, when people say we have family meetings, that doesn't really answer to me what they're doing. When I say describe your family meeting, then I get to see whether they're actually doing what it's intended to do. And so just gathering up the kids and saying last week was horrible. We were late for school three days. No one's picking up their plates here's the new rules. We're getting up at seven. You know, that's just parents being, you know, sort of drill sergeants. And so you, you might call it a family meeting, but that is not at all what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about in having a family meeting is to take this idea that if we want to raise cooperative children rather than obedient children, then to win a child's cooperation, there's two criteria that we have to meet. They have to feel a sense of belonging in the family and they have to feel that there is a mutual respect, that there isn't a hierarchy. So that doesn't mean the parents aren't leaders. They're leaders for sure. But not that there is a superior, inferior arrangement. And so if you think about the family unit, step family, any unit of people, like the classroom, you can have classroom meetings. If you're in a workplace, you can have work meetings. Anywhere you have a collective of people and you need to figure out how to get along with one another, you want all the parties to be able to have a voice. You know, if you live in a community and you don't like that people are speeding on your street, you want to be able to take it to committee and ask if you can get speed zones or speed bumps or whatever. You need to have a voice. You need to have a say. You need to participate in the democratic process. And it shows that you're being listened to and that you're cared for and that you matter. And that builds 
up the team, the team spirit of the family. And so it's about democracy in action. And, and you have to bring that vibe to it. So you can't come to a family meeting with a preset idea of what, how you're going to solve problems or how things are going to go, you know? So yeah, so it has to be in the spirit of democracy and team building. And it's so critical because so much of what we do in parenting, parents will go immediately to, I need to discipline my child. You know, we were late. I need to discipline them for being late. And having family meetings makes this incredible reshift where you say, no, I don't need to discipline. It's just, I have a, a problem in the family where things aren't working and I need to figure out a way to do it better. Who else am I going to talk to? I have to talk to the stakeholders. Why isn't it working? What's going on for you? Because a lot of kids' misbehavior is because kids don't actually know how to get their way in the family. The only way I know how to get more snack is to have a meltdown until you give me my damn granola bar. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you have a family meeting, you can say, you know, hi, could you pick yourself up off the floor? I'm going to write on the agenda that, you know, Jamal does not like our snack arrangement and that we we need to uh, rediscuss how snacks are distributed in this family. And then suddenly there's this moment of I'm being listened to. I'm important. It's going to be discussed. And so you have to have them kind of weekly so that kids know you can't just have them when things go bad. But, you know, the general rule is the household rules are the household rules. And we come together weekly to make any tweaks, adjustments, whatever. But right now we're going to stick with the snack rule as it stands until we have the next family meeting. So I think Jamal's going to be pretty interested in coming because he'd really like to get more granola bars. Uh, so you want the agenda to be very full of the things that are making the kids dissatisfied in the family, not the things that are just, you know, they're, they're mutual. I don't like that my kid's freaking out about having a snack either, but now we're putting it as the child is bringing their issues. So it's so much better to say, I have a voice. People will listen to me. They're, they'll use reason. We'll work it out together. I'm an important member of this family. You know, and then you don't have to like get into power struggles and fight to get your way, which is what a lot of kids end up doing because they don't know what they don't have another methodology. They don't have another way around it. Yeah. And you know, what I think is really important to remember is that there's a lot of parents who are like, well, there is a hierarchy. I'm the parent, you know, you need to listen, you need to respect all of those things. And they're, they're, it's true, right? Like it, it is true, but you want to think about the type of relationship you want with your kids. Do you want to like scare them into listening to you? Do you want them to feel like they're being controlled? Do you want them to feel like they don't have another choice? And you know, when, when that's the type of parenting that you have, parenting style that you have, they don't want to be around you. They don't want to have that open communication with you. And they, you know, they're going to grow up and they're going to look back on their childhood and they're not going to want to come for dinner in their mid twenties because they're going to look back on their childhood and be like, that was freaking miserable. So you don't, yeah. you want to think about the type of relationship you want to have with your kids. And that's why this is so powerful. Yeah. So, you know, if you are an autocratic style controlling parent, what we know from the research is you're going to raise three types of children. That's the outcome when we've track it long-term, you're either going to raise somebody who's rebels against you and says, you're not going to control me. I'm not going to listen to your orders. So you're either going to have a rebel or you're going to have a pleaser. And if you have three kids, you're going to, you'll get one of each. So you either, one's going to rebel and say, outwardly, I'm not doing what you say. Second one is going to be a pleaser and say like, okay, I'm afraid of you. I'll just acquiesce. I need to earn your love. So I better do what I'm going to do to, to get your little pat on the head. That has problems later in life. Pleasers end up with all kinds of self-esteem issues later. Or you get sneaks and cheats. 
the people are like, well, I'm not going to like right in your face, tell you, I'm not going to do it. But suddenly it's like, Oh, I forgot to take out the garbage. You know? Oh yeah. I forgot to call when I got to my friend's house. I didn't reply to your text message, which is just, you know, I snuck the granola bar instead of asking for it. So it, it doesn't have the good outcomes that we want to your point. So we, we want it to be a relationship forward and the respect needs to be going in both directions. So if you want your child to respect you, and if you want your child to listen when you make a reasonable request, they're going to do that if they respect you. If you have a good relationship and you're you're getting on and you say to your kids, hey, you know what, um, would you guys, you know, help out and try to keep that foyer a little bit more picked up and tidy? It's hard for me to get in the door when you got all your hockey equipment there. If you have a good, respectful relationship, they're more likely like, yeah, you know what, that was a fair request. I'll help out. That's being cooperative versus if you don't pick up your hockey equipment, I'm taking a dollar off your allowance. You know, you don't get, you know, I'm taking away your iPad. So you, you want, you, you, you want it to be a respectful relationship where there's a give and take and everybody wants to help everybody out. Yeah. So important. So, so say you're a stepmom listening to this and you're like, okay, I really think we need to have a family meeting, Yeah, but you don't even really know where to start. So how do you recommend kind of prepping your family saying like, I want to have a family meeting and communicating that to them. So they know what this is about instead of thinking this is going to be just another time where they get in shit. Right. <laughs> well, and to your point, I think it's especially important for step families or any family that has parents who really have different parenting styles. Part of it is, and we've talked about this before, where, you know, the golden rule is when you first get into that step role position, you really want the biological parent to do the disciplining. But if you do family meetings, you're solving problems together. So now as the step parent, you can say, this isn't me stepping out of my role as a step parent. I'm not crossing a boundary here. All I'm doing is we made an agreement as a family that if people left dishes on the table, this is what was going to happen. So you can step in more in guiding the family in a step situation when you're using family meetings. So to get them started, it's a small tiered scaling of skills. So the, the way you start is going to be very different from the way you end. And depending on the age of your kids, it could take months, it could take years. But the thing is, you want the kids to be excited. There's a lot of micro skills, both for the parents leading the meeting and the children showing up. So just be patient with this process. So I would say the first thing is you don't even need to necessarily call it a family meeting, especially if you've had them and they've gone bad. For those people that if their kids already hate family meetings, just stop calling them family meetings. But you can like spontaneously burst into like a, hey, we need to talk. But I would start with, Two important factors in the in the first meeting. I would just get everyone together. So I don't know, maybe you have popcorn on Sunday nights and you say like, hey, we're all together. I just want to check in with everyone. Like, what's something that we all feel was a really great part of our family life last week? So you always start with the positives because everyone's always looking for the negatives. What do we like about being in this family? What went well last week? And if people start getting negative, you can say, no, 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 this isn't the time for negative. This is just the time for like, what do we like about us? It can be a personal thing, you know, like, mom, I really thank you for putting cookies in my lunch. In the beginning, this is why I say it's a skill. The kids probably won't have anything to say. They'll just look Awkward. at you. Right. And that's fine. They can pass. But as parents, you can just say, well, you know what I really noticed? I thought when we all went bike riding and, you know, Jonathan fell off his bike and everybody like was so supportive of him. And I just really felt like a team. And I just like, I loved that our family are those kind of people. What about you? And, you know, you pass it to somebody else. And if the kids, oh, I don't know, you know, or they'll say things like, mom, you smell pretty. I like your perfume. Like, it's okay. It's not really what I'm going for here, but you know, so it's going to be a skill, but with practice and the more you model it, they'll start to pick it up looking for these good character traits. These are character contributions. And so I would start with that. And then the second thing I would say is, you know, oh, we're all together. 
what should we uh, what should we do on the weekend for fun? Because as a family counselor, the number one thing that falls off families' plates, believe it or not, is actually having fun together. That's usually my first it. piece of homework. We get so into the, we got to get the schoolwork done. We got to get the chores done. We got to get the, and we forget to all come together and whatever, have family board game night or go for a bike ride. We've, it's maybe been a little bit better for some families in COVID because we we haven't been competing with the overscheduled child anymore. But to just ask them the question of what do we want to do this weekend together? And the reason why that's such a great question is that kids actually really are very time deprived and want to be together as a family, even if they moan and groan and you got the teen who's locked in their bedroom and won't get off their game, believe it or not, they miss family too. They really do. They certainly tell me as a counselor, they miss family time. So what are we going to do for family fun? And why I like that question is everyone's motivated to solve it, but it allows you to still develop problem solving skills and brainstorming and coming to consensus, but it's on an issue that kids are really excited to solve and it's not contentious. So start with just that. And what's going to happen is I'm just, I'm telling you the other thing that you need to know about family meetings is it stirs up family dynamic. Okay. This is why it's a kind of a complex skill. What's going to end up happening if you have three kids, one of those kids has a belief about themselves that the family doesn't have their back or that they're the black sheep or that they're the outsider or they're, they're not as important as a sibling or someone is preferred over them. It's going to happen in every family. It's pre-conscious, but they're going to take it to the test so that when you say, yeah, let's all go bike riding. One of those kids, I am guaranteeing you, Jamie, is going to say, no, I don't want to bike ride. It's very easy as a parent to say like, oh, come on, everybody wants to bike ride. What is it with you and the bike riding? We can't go there. You have to see it as a therapeutic moment where this is the person who is standing against everybody else. They're testing you. So I would say like, you know what? Hold on a second here. We're all trying to find something good to do as a family. And Patty over here says, has has anyone named their kid Patty since 1947? No. I don't know why that name. <laughs> I have no idea why that. Okay. Ashley. Bring Patty back. Yeah. Ashley, Brittany. Um, no, I think that name's declining too. Anyway, popular girl's name of 2021. She doesn't want to come and she's an important member of our family. So, you know, let's keep working towards finding something that we all want to do. So right there, she's like, I was trying to prove that nobody has my back in this family. And therapeutically, the adults who are in a leadership role said, no, 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 wait, everyone's important in this family. She got the message she needed to hear, which is we are going to hear you out. You are important. We will, we will wait to find something that also is fun and exciting for you. Now it might turn out that they all, you know, say, great, we're all going to play ping pong. Or it might be that they say, well, what if we go bike riding this week and next week we do swimming like you want to do? Oh, look, we're learning to alternate to accommodate everybody. That's a great skill. These are all the skills that come out in family meetings. So yes, you're going to get some dissension. I would say as a leader, you got to learn the skill of like, don't let them go back and say, you know, if you're working through a problem, they're going to want to rehash what happened. And then he came into my bedroom and he jumped on my bed and he broke my buzz light, whatever. You're like, we don't need a rehash of what happened. We need solutions moving forward. There's a lot of skills that the parents have to learn too, right? So it's not easy. I'm not saying family meetings are easy, but I I will tell you they are probably the most important thing to learn in terms of 
you know, my kids moaned and groaned about family meetings all the years that we had them. And yet they co-presented at conferences with me and they would say like, you know, but I don't know how you would do a family without them. Like, how do you not have them? They can be tedious and whatever, but they're vital. They have so many benefits. You got to kind of do the hard work of learning the micro skills to do them. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's really important, especially as the kids are older too, right? Because asking them for their input on those solutions, that's going to surprise them, right? So, you know, especially if you're in a step family situation and say, you know, there are issues over who's doing what or chores or expectations around the house or how people are treating each other, whatever the situation may be, you could even just bring up, say, okay, so this seems to be an issue in the home or like, how's everyone feeling about what's happening? How do you guys think we can do this better moving forward? Like, I want to hear what you have to say. And, And even going back to like, the, the morning routine thing saying, okay, I don't know if anyone's noticed our mornings are a bit crazy right now. Like this isn't working. So what do you think we can all do better? I really recommend that you take notes that you have oh. a scribe. Each kid can have a, in the beginning when you're training, you know, just the, what are we doing well in the family and planning our family outings. So you're, you're kind of being the chair of the meeting, but you can then bring a child on board and start co-chairing with a child as you mentor them into that skill set. And you need a scribe, someone to write it down. Because when you write things down, kids know, like, they're like, oh, we didn't just talk about it. So when they say, no, I'm pretty sure you said that we had 10 minutes before bedtime to clean up. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to go back to the minutes. Actually, no. (laughs) Right? So when it's written down, they know it. So we always wrote all our little notes down. And the kids love learning to chair and to scribe and they kind of get into all of that. And to your point, it's all about the little nuanced stuff. It's like, and but you have to listen. So I'll just give you a couple examples of like feeling heard. I had one kid who they always fought about the child's job of having to set the table. Well, it turns out that the mother would call the child to set the table during the only time that they were allowed to have TV media iPad time. So the kid never wanted to cut into his media time to go set the table. So it wasn't until the family meeting where the kid said, well, I don't want to come because I miss Paw Patrol or whatever. So it's like, oh, well, that's solvable. So this kid actually decided, can I set the table after lunch? Like, what do you care if the table's set from 1230 until five o'clock? Who cares? And I know with my kids, one of the things about chores were my kids didn't like doing chores alone. They like doing teams. So we just, we kept revisiting these things. So you have to come to the meeting really willing to listen and not, like I said, don't come with the answers, come with listening to the kids and their ideas, even if they're off the wall, they're more likely to live by rules and agreements that they helped set. So I had one family where, again, the foyer situation, the kids said, well, could you put a basketball hoop over a bucket? And then when we take our shoes off, we throw them through the basket hoop into the bucket. And the mom was like, fine, I'll happily install a basketball hoop. I just don't want 200. So, and of course it worked. I mean, crazy things can work. Mm -hmm. I love that. These family meetings, do you ever set some ground rules before you're all sitting down? Is that helpful or does it make it too stringent or strict or whatever? Like how do people respond to that? Well, no, what I would say is like, as much as I want to make them, you know, fast and efficient, like speak to an adult, like who likes a bad meeting? Nobody likes to go to a bad meeting in a boardroom. Like, so, you know, you want to keep it light. You want to keep it fun. You want to keep it short. You want to keep it on track. You want to keep it moving along, but it's voluntary. So it's like, you know, we're going to come together as a family and this is where we're going to figure out how we want to be as a family. And if you'd like some say and input on that, if you want, you know, today's agenda, we're talking about bedtimes, snacks, and what we're doing on the weekend. If you'd like to have a voice in any of that, then please show up. But if you don't, the rest of us are going to decide and 
you'll have to go along with what we decided. So it's up to you. Yeah. I like so that, that it's voluntary. Oh, and my brother, you know, because I grew up with this philosophy too, right? I'm third generation of my family. So I grew up with family meetings. I remember I was the baby of the family. So I remember feeling so empowered that I finally could have the talking stick and have the floor because I was constantly getting pushed away, brushed aside by my brothers. But I remember my one brother would roll around on the dining room floor about six feet away, wouldn't come to the table, wouldn't whatever. But when it was time to decide on something, he would like shout it from the floor, whatever. And it was like, you know, okay, good enough. Like he was giving his own little quiet protest, but he wasn't going to miss out on a chance to voice his opinion. (laughs) Anything is progress, right? Reese is so funny. So Reese is our daughter. So she's seven. And then my stepkids are... 19, 17, and 14. So we'll be sitting around the table having dinner and and she'll say, okay, everyone, how was your day? And she goes and she like asks everyone how their day was. And then she's like, okay, now you have to ask me how my day was. And then everyone will be like, how was your day, Reese? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like ask her. She's like, um... I think we should have a family meeting. <laughs> so she's she's the one saying it. She's like, I feel like you should play with me more. <laughs> Which yeah, is great, right? Because they know she wants something. Right. And I love that kids mm-hmm. are saying, I want to call a family meeting right now, right? That she understands mm-hmm. us as a platform. I had a family in my counseling office where we decided we would just use a family meeting with all the, the siblings there. And the big fight was about when people had friends over <laughs> – pre-COVID, although I guess the bubbles are getting bigger, that when they had friends over, that it was okay at some time to play with the siblings. But it's like, no, it's my friend and it's a sleepover, so go bug off. And so the whole thing was about how can we figure out how to have friends over where you sometimes want to have your sibling play and sometimes want to have a one-on-one alone time. And the negotiation that these two did where it's like, okay, for every minute, so you can play until we have movie time, but at movie time, you have to go. And for every minute that you're not with us, when we're in pajamas, I will play with you twice as much the next day. And you you can't be the parent and say, well, I don't know if like, you know, one minute of whatever is worth twice as much the next day. That doesn't seem, fair. no, if they negotiate it, mm-hmm. it's fair. If, you know, if one kid says, if you do my dishes, I'll walk the dog for you for three months. You don't step in as a parent and say, I don't know. It doesn't seem very egalitarian. It's like, I don't know. You guys brokered it out. But they do. They they work this stuff out. And this is just the platform to make sure that it moves forward and you keep them on track and you don't have them going back like, you never play with me. And the last three times, like you don't want to rehash the past. You're, you got to say, guys, we got to stay. We're talking about the next time this happened. We're talking about solutions, people. And we're not doing ca- characters assassinations. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm hearing you're letting me know you're dissatisfied, but that's why we're here. We're working on a different plan now. So you do have to keep as the chair, keep people on track. So would you go to the family meeting being like, okay, here's kind of the issues that have been coming up guys. This is kind of where I'm at. If you have anything that you want to bring up, everyone like gets the floor if they want to bring anything up and then everyone just kind of proposes their solutions and work it out from there. Yeah. So, you know, you put the problem out there and then you start to brainstorm. And really, that's what I'm saying. The creativity of of the child's mind to brainstorm is amazing. I love it. But one was my daughter said, I would always give a five-minute warning. You know, the old classic, like, okay, we're leaving the park in five minutes. Okay, five more more minutes till bed. I always do this five minutes. And my daughter said, I need more than five minutes. And I'm like, okay, well, I just want to give you a warning so you know where we're at. You know, what what would be good timing for you? And she's like, "Um, I think six minutes. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I can do that. I can work with that. But for her, it, it was like, I brought something that I didn't like 
I couldn't care less if it was five or six minutes. That's not the point. But for her experience, you know, you're four years old and you're like, um, hello, I'd like to address the floor. Um, I'd like to have more. <laughs> like that is so empowering. And what do I care about six minutes? And so interesting. This is what I mean. When you learn to speak up and that you feel like you're going to be listened, don't you think that that is the people that make the Greta Thunbergs that go, I'm going to go to the at the environmental summit and yeah. speak at the microphone and tell people I don't like climate change. You're, you're raising leaders who feel that their voice will be heard. Mm-hmm. And you're creating this relationship where they know they matter. And right. You know, more and more, you know, as the kids are growing older, so you know, my stepdaughter just went to university on Labor Day weekend. I, know, I like, saw your post. I know. How does like, it all what? happen? Like, I don't even know. It's so crazy. But I'm getting questions from stepmoms saying, hey, like, how do you handle parenting time with them after? Like, how do you keep that relationship open? Like, how do you continue that relationship? And I just think it's just a no-brainer. It's just natural now because you've created that relationship, right? And I think when you're parenting with that mindset, like when they grow up, they have no obligation to you. They go off and they create their own life and you want them, you want to create that relationship so that they're going to want to come back and spend that time with you. You know, they're only kids for so long and it's voluntary after that. Yeah. And I would say even prior to that, Jamie, I've been doing a lot of discussion with this, you know, because I do a lot of work with parents of teens and there's a real transition stage in adolescence where you just can't be consequenting. You can't be doing the when then statements and all these juvenile discipline techniques that parents learn when their kids are little. It just doesn't translate into the adolescent years. Mm-hmm. And you can't control your kids. You can only influence them. You you can't follow them around with a tracking device. And so You know, I have this whole program called Hashtag Family Talk. It's all about preventing underage drinking, which starts way earlier than parents are prepared for. But it's exactly the same thing, which is if you have a good relationship with your kid, when we say, why didn't you take that drink? Why didn't you drink at the party when everyone else did? And they'll say, I didn't want to disappoint my parent. Well, why would they not want to disappoint their parent? Because they have a good relationship with them and they respect them and they care about their parents' opinion of them. So, you know, so much of the motivation to be out in the world to make good decisions when you're not there to penalize, consequence, coach, whatever, is based on having this relationship that says, I have faith in you, I have trust in you, I expect you to manage yourself. And they do. They do. They they really do move in line because of that relationship. And when we get punitive and controlling because we're frightened when they hit adolescence, it actually backfires on us. And also, you're also an educator when their kids are little, right? Like, Boots need to go on the mat. Breakfast needs to have a protein. Like there's a lot of education when our kids are little, but by the time they get to adolescence, it's like, no, they they know that stuff. I mean, not to say there is like, of course, lots to learn, consent, yeah. hygiene, <laughs> whatever, uh, time management. There's lots still to teach, but they're just not going to tolerate us being in that position anymore. And we really mm-hmm. do need to be very relationship forward. Yeah. Well, there was a there was a conversation in our house a couple, I think it was maybe a month ago, uh, about one of my stepsons. And the question was, well, what's the consequence going to be? And I said, well, he's 17. Like, you want to ground a 17-year-old who has a license and a car and all of that? I said, you know, at this point, it's really natural consequences. It's saying to them, like, you're going to do what you're going to do. But here's what you need to consider. Like, here's the consequences for this house. But it's like that whole, like, go to your room, like, think about what you've done. Like, you're just so beyond that, right? And that's, I I remember saying to him, I was like, you're going to do what you're going to do, but here's just something I want you to consider. 
and provided just some like real life examples. And I, but I think that he appreciated when I, when I was like, you're going to do what you're going to do. Cause you know, at 17, what's the difference between a 17 year old and an 18 year old? A couple months. To your point though, it's really honoring to say to a kid, even a four-year-old, I can't make you do anything. I can't Mm -hmm. control you. You know, like that's just like disclosing the truth, right? I can't make you eat anything. I can't make you go to the bathroom in a, in, uh, on the potty as opposed to your pull out. Like you can't make a kid do anything. It's like, like you can't make any other human being do anything. Just admit that as a fact of life. You can say, but I would appreciate a favor or it would be helpful if you would. And I think at family meetings, when you, for example, one of the problems is like, Hey, we've got one that's so common, you know, Hey, we've got this chore list and people say they're going to do their chores, but they didn't load the dishwasher and people didn't take out the garbage. So one of the things you can talk about at the family meeting, instead of it going to the parent and having to do all the mental work, you can say, what should happen if it's your day to do the loading of the the dishwasher or the taking out of the garbage and it doesn't happen? What should happen then? So instead of the parent imposing the consequence, you're bring, you're coming to the family meeting saying, what should happen when, which is really basically asking what the consequence will be, what should happen if people don't load the dishwasher? And then yeah. when they say, well, then first of all, they make them realize, oh, there's like an impact on other people. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, and they're going to say something like, well, take, you know, charge me money for it. And you're like, you know what? That's not really logical. Money doesn't really have, that doesn't really solve our problem. I, I mean, I could pay you a million dollars. I still just need the dishes taken out of the dishwasher and done so I can cook dinner. It doesn't, we're not really, that's not really on point. And so when you keep them on task and they realize like, oh, like that's actually like a real, so in my family, just as an example of problem solving, I realized as we were so communicative that at a certain age, I couldn't give my kids time sensitive tasks because they were at a friend's uh, doing homework or they were like had to do choir practice after school. So if your job is to unload the dishwasher and you're at choir practice, it's mm-hmm. like that job doesn't fit you. So I, re- I realized that I for our family... One of the things that we came to as a conclusion was, even though there's just like this thought, like kids should put their plates in the dishwasher, like there's these chores that parents just think, janitorial chores that parents just think you should do. I go, how about if I just, you know, I don't want to be overly burdened, but like I'm happy to do the time sensitive stuff so that the garbage gets out and the dishes get unloaded. But then you guys need to do the non-time sensitive stuff. You know, the dusting, the vacuuming, the stuff where it doesn't really matter if it gets fudged by a little bit because you got a test this day or you got a friend that invited you here or, you know, whatever. And, uh, but it's all got to get done sometime over the week before Saturday. And, and so the, our agreement and the kids came up with it, I wouldn't give them driving privileges until everything was done for the week. So they might do it on a Monday or a Tuesday, but they might do it five minutes before they need to ride to the movie <laughs> or, or a friend's house. Yeah. And I didn't and I care. I didn't care, but that's what we came up with. So it's not my family solutions are not going to work for your family. Like we also had something called PPP, personal possession pickup was like anyone could call a PPP. And then you had to run around for five minutes and blitz the house and pick up everything that you left out. They're quirky little weird thing that our family came up with. It doesn't mean because I'm the parenting expert, you should go do that, but it's yeah. you bring it to your family and say like, what's our family going to create? It can, families can look any way so long as they're mutually respectful and problems are solved. That's doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. And, and I think it's important that you brought up that it's not easy, especially if you don't have that dynamic right now, you're going to get some pushback or you're going to have people coming in with some preconceived notions, especially if they're older, right? Being like, oh yeah, here we go. Yeah. I stay the course. And so for that reason, I videotaped you know, cause I've been doing this the whole time I've been raising my kids. So I videotaped long before we had Instagram and all this social media, but so I videotaped and edited and posted on my YouTube channel snippets from my family meetings when my kids were little. 
to show some of the little highlight reels, some of it good, but some of it like awful, like the kid walking away from the table and that, you know, whatever. And I, and I posted it because I don't want people to think it's going to be this little parliamentarian, beautiful thing, but I stuck with it because I believed in the principle because I was raised on them because I know enough about the theory that it was like, I'm going to do my hard work. And like I said, my kids at the end, when they went off to university, what's the first thing they did when they got into a, a residence and a, and a, and renting houses, they called them in <laughs> because they're like, oh, what are we going to do with who's taking out? Like it is the way people need to like operate with one another, right? You're just, you're just moving that from the workplace to the dorm, to the family, like train them now. They'll, they'll get it over time, but go mm-hmm. slow. Just go slow. Go slow. You're yeah. fine. Go slow. Manage your expectations. Go slow. You'll be fine. Yeah. Thank you so much, Allison. This is so helpful. I know that there's people who are ready to like do the family meetings. They just weren't quite sure where to start. So this is definitely a realistic expectation and like some, a framework on how to implement. Well, you can, and again, you can, you can Google family meeting to see all the different formats. And I had like a whole part of my honey, I wrecked the kids book dedicated to how to act, do the nuts and bolts of it too. If people want to dig into more information there, but mostly our talk today, Jamie, is to get people inspired to say it's worth learning the skills, pushing through and being gentle with ourselves. And you say like, you know, didn't handle that well, or, you know, got to get them remotivated or whatever. But what I don't want is for people to just have had a bad experience and to abandon them. I just want to get them remotivated. There's more to learn, more ways to do it. Baby, baby, baby steps. Hang in there. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Allison. I know everyone's always great. Thank you. Always great. Thanks everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. You guys know the drill. If this resonated, share it with someone who you think will love it too. And if you haven't already, I would be forever grateful if you could head on over to iTunes and give the show a rating and a review. And if you're craving more stepmom content, want to connect with me and stepmoms from all over the world and get access to exclusive content with all my favorite experts, be sure to check out the exclusive stepmom community, www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership. Members also get access to my online magazine and can listen in on coaching calls with fellow stepmoms. www.jamiescrimshire.com forward slash membership. Love you guys. We'll chat with you next week.